0: For those who don't know me, I'm Pastor Jim, and if I've never met you before, I would like you to change that today and introduce yourself to me, because if I don't know you, I don't know that I don't know you, so you need to tell me that I don't know you and say hi. Maybe. All right. Yeah. I'll try to make it more complicated next week. You're welcome. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 this morning, so please turn there. Uh, If you're using one of the chair Bibles, it's located on page 914. Thanks, John. So if my voice starts to get a little hoarse, we'll just call it a day, and you're welcome. But... (laughs) Today we're going to talk about following Jesus. It's a common phrase that we use as Christians. Talk about following Jesus. It's a phrase we often use for believers. But because we use it a lot, sometimes we have to remember why we use it. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of What are we really saying when we say that we follow Jesus? It's a phrase we use in our church's mission statement. It's a phrase that we've probably heard, some of us, from very young. But if we're not careful, these common phrases can lose their edge and their meaning. And when they lose their edge and their meaning, they, they almost become worthless to us. And so I want to sharpen the edge this morning about what does it really mean when we say we follow Jesus. And to do that, we're going to look at the story of Stephen. Now, the story of Stephen is actually quite a long story, so I've broken it up a little bit. In fact, Stephen's speech is the longest speech recorded in the entire book of Acts. And so we're going to take two weeks to do that. Again, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but we're going to take a couple weeks. And, and But again, the one thing I want you to remember is that this is all part of one big story. Okay, but Stephen is especially helpful in helping us what it means to understand Jesus because when you compare how Luke writes about Jesus and how Jesus is portrayed in the Gospels, there are so many parallels in the life of Stephen. And so I'm going to give a lot of uh, references to the Gospels to show these parallels between Jesus and Stephen and to help us see that that in following Stephen, he he is helping us to follow Jesus. You know, as Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. And today we're going to look at the role model that Stephen was of a follower of Jesus, and it will help us understand better what it means to follow Jesus. Again, if you're following along in the outline in your bulletin, we're going to see the big idea there that following Jesus means modeling his life and trusting in his words. So let's first look at Number one there in your outline, following Jesus in spirit-empowered ministry. So chapter 6, starting at verse 8, follow along as I read. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And so first, when when we read that, we should, or hopefully we can go back and remember that that description is a similar description to that of Jesus. You go to Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and it says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. That Jesus was described as going around doing these wonders in the same way that Stephen is described here. And I want us to think about the ministry of Jesus and how that helps us understand our ministry. Again, just as Stephen copied Jesus, we too need to copy Jesus. And I was thinking about how do we summarize the, the work of Jesus? Well, one, I think that Jesus went around caring for and loving people. You see his compassion for people, reaching out to the least in his society. What you also see, Jesus is talking about himself a lot. So he walked around being a really nice guy and a really loving guy and talking about himself. And shouldn't we be doing the same thing? Not talking about ourselves. Some of you, I mean, maybe we need to repent, a little repent session right here. (laughs) But going around in our lives, loving all people, and talking about Jesus. What a wonderfully simple summary to our ministry that we're called to do as followers of Jesus. And then again, that just as Stephen is, so are we empowered by the Spirit to do this. Again, God has given you everything you need to love others and share Jesus. He has given you his very spirit, as in verse, full of grace and power. Well, that power comes from the spirit, and we have that same spirit. Even though Stephen's in the Bible and we're not, we have the same spirit. But also in mentioning that he was full of grace in addition to be full of grace and power, I think it reminds us that being involved in God's work in this world is an act of grace by God. So that any ministry you do is God showing his grace to you. Doesn't that change how we view the work God has given us? That when we volunteer and serve, when we're out in the community sharing about Jesus, that that is one way that God shows his grace to us. Do you view your ministry as a gift from God? And I think Stephen shows us that that's how we need to view it. Because it's not always going to be easy. We're not always going to want to but recognizing that that is an example of the very grace of God. Even hiccups are a gift from God. <laughs> Gives me time to take a sip. <laughs> but, but I also highlight this because this is a wonderful heart check for us in our ministry. Do I recognize that the work that I'm doing, the time that I'm giving, the resources I'm giving, is a gift of grace from God? And that can help us keep our heart in the right places we serve. The other thing I wanted to notice about this short description of Stephen is that in addition to to mirroring a description of Jesus, it also mirrors a description of the Apostles. As we've seen that the apostles went around doing miracles and preaching about Jesus. And the important thing about this is that Stephen is the first non-apostle to be described this way. So what do we learn from that? that? That the work of God is not confined to leadership. The work of God is not confined to the apostles in the early church. And remember who Stephen is. We just met him last week. He was one of the behind-the-scenes servant guys. And again, we talked about maybe, maybe you feel like you connect more with those guys, the, the waiting on tables, the distributing the, what's needed for the community. But guess what? God will still use you to share the gospel, That God's gospel work is not limited to those who are good at public speaking. Maybe public speaking just scares you half to death. To that I say two things. Number one, you have the spirit of God in you. And number two, God will use all of his people to spread the gospel. Because the next person we're going to meet is Philip. And Philip, again, another one of these servant guys, God is going to use him to make the gospel international by sharing with someone from Ethiopia. Again, God uses all of his people to share the gospel. But I also want to see that Stephen's work in following Jesus' work is fulfillment of a promise that Jesus made. Now, I'm going to be, again, I said I'm going to be quoting a lot from the Gospels, and when I can, I'm going to be quoting from Luke's Gospel, because Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. Uh, But this time, I want to quote from the Gospel of John. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus has promised to work through us to accomplish what he wants to be done. Again, in context, this is where he's talking about giving the spirit to the church to empower them for ministry. And so again, as you're thinking about your ministry, that that Jesus is working through you to do great and wonderful things. Because that's the wonderful part of our work in sharing the gospel, that what we do lasts into eternity. When you share the gospel with someone, you change eternity. And Jesus promised we would. And he promised to give us the spirit to empower us to do so. And so Stephen as a follower is is living out these promises that God has made and trusting in them. Secondly, in addition to following Jesus in ministry, we see that Stephen follows Jesus in speaking the truth. Look at verses 9 and 10. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So one thing we need to see is, is that following Jesus is not always popular and it's not always pleasant. That there will be times that that just as people disputed with Jesus, that just as people disputed with Stephen, that, that people will do the same to us. It fits the pattern of following Jesus. Time and time again throughout the Gospels, Jesus was debated by those in authority. And again, it helps us to understand that if it happened to Jesus, who are we to think that it won't happen to us? Too many times we are surprised when people disagree with us. Don't be surprised. They oppose Jesus, they oppose Stephen. There will come times where they oppose you. But again, this is what it means to follow Jesus. But there's also, in the list of debates with Jesus, there's also Luke chapter 20, verses 39 to 40. Then some of the scribes answered, answered Jesus, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any questions. (laughs) They kept losing, and they finally stopped. And we see, again, this, this this very specific connection to Stephen. Again, look at verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They couldn't stand up in an argument, again, just like Jesus. Well, well how? Was Stephen just a really, really smart guy? Was he just a really charismatic speaker? Was it, maybe he was just a really good-looking guy. I mean, maybe he had that going for him. But again, this leads us to the promises that Jesus gave his followers. Luke 21, 15 says this, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. When the truth of the gospel is opposed, Jesus has promised to give us wisdom to know what to say. Again, Jesus has not left us in hard times and in trials. That Jesus promises the gift of wisdom to know what to say. Because here's something that I believe is true one of the biggest reasons we don't talk or we stop talking is because we believe we don't know what to say. Sometimes that's true, and that's my commercial for coming to ABF, our adult Sunday school. But sometimes it's not trusting the promise that God will give you wisdom. Because he has promised by his spirit to empower us to speak. And to speak boldly. Because maybe isn't that sometimes the other problem is, is, is we get attacked by somebody and, and we freeze. But, but you have the Spirit of God in you so that you can calmly and boldly and lovingly speak the truth. No matter who is opposing you. Again, Stephen is a model of living out the promises that Jesus gave us. So it won't always be rainbows and sunshine in following Jesus, but he has promised wisdom so that we can boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, following Jesus in facing injustice. So not only was Stephen opposed by those who didn't believe, but he also faced great injustice. Look at verses 11 to 14. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So again, I want you to picture this. Here is Stephen and what he's doing. Again, he's, he's telling people about Jesus. That is all he is doing. He is debating with Jewish people about whether or not Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Savior. And so what do they do? They secretly instigate men who then later find false witnesses against him and they drag him off and bring him to court. Okay, again, I, I just want you to picture this. You're having coffee with a friend and they, they, they do not believe in Jesus at all and you are discussing with them about Jesus hopefully very lovingly and calmly and they get so mad that they call the cops on you and the cops take you to court. That's what's being described here. And because all you were doing was talking about Jesus, they have to make up false witnesses. And they they twist his words about the temple and the customs of Moses, which I'll get to in a second, so that he will be Fine. He will be found guilty. But what do we recognize about this? Why should this be familiar to us? Because they did this exact same thing to Jesus. In Matthew 26, verses 59 to 61, which, by the way, all of the verses I'm using today are on the questions, the study questions for small groups. Matthew 26, verses 59 to 61 Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Again, look at the experience of Stephen. They set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak against this holy place. That's the temple. The charges are the same. The false witnesses are the same. What is the pattern that's being established? If it happened to Jesus, then it happened to Stephen, it'll probably happen to us. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to be ready to experience the same things he experienced. Now, when they say that Jesus was talking about the temple, we can go to places like Luke 21, verses 5 to 6, and say, While some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. He was talking about the destruction of the temple as a sign that prophecies about Jesus' return would come true. And John 2, verses 19 to 21, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And he was using the temple to help them understand the resurrection. So they're twisting words. They twist Jesus' words. They twist Stephen's words. And we should not be surprised if someone twists our words. And Jesus even promised that this would happen. Luke 21 verse 12 says this, But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Jesus said that. And Stephen, it happens. Stephen's life is a fulfillment of Jesus' words. Notice that everything Jesus has said comes true. It's not exactly a coincidence. But there's a warning there of, of being ready. But also, the fact that Jesus can say something is going to happen, and it does happen, shows the sovereign power of our God. That our God is in control of all things. The fact that everything that Jesus said comes true, okay, you're only hitting 100% if you really are in control. And so when we look at this fulfillment, even this one about the fact that that Jesus promised that that his followers would be brought in front of government authorities for simply preaching about Jesus. Even though this isn't really a good prophecy for us who follow Jesus, it shows that our God is in control. And so we're ready, but we are also trusting in the God who is the sovereign king of the universe. And lastly, in the midst of following Jesus, we see that Stephen followed Jesus in innocence. Look at verse 15. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. In all of this, Stephen, his innocence could not be denied. And again, like, like I've said before, would that the only thing someone has against me is that I preach about Jesus. Like the worst thing you can say about me is that I tell people about Jesus. What a wonderful goal. Because the innocence that Stephen demonstrates here, the innocence in the midst of injustice is the same innocence that Jesus had. Again, Luke 23, verse 22. And a third time he said to them, "What? Why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. That was Pilate. He couldn't find anything wrong with him. The thief on the cross in Luke twenty three forty one, And we indeed, justly, he's talking about the sentence of being crucified next to Jesus. For we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. That Jesus' only crime was saying he was the Savior of the world. Stephen's only crime was he said that Jesus was the savior of the world. Would that we live such lives of holiness and godliness that the only thing people can charge against us is that we say Jesus is the savior of the world. That is a life of holiness that we are called to as followers of Jesus. As living like Jesus. So four ways I want to apply this as we close up this morning. First of all, don't be surprised when, as a follower of Jesus, you face opposition and hardship. Incredibly helpful in this is John 15, verse 20, the first part. Remember the word that I said to you. This is Jesus talking. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. To deny the existence or the probability of persecution is to think yourself higher than Jesus. Let me read that again. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Have you ever thought about that, that to expect not to experience persecution is prideful? Because it's actually demonstrating that we think we have more authority than Jesus. Number two, be encouraged that God provides his spirit to guide you through these times. Again and again, we see that God's people have the holy spirit and the holy spirit empowers them to fulfill what god has called them to do and specifically here the wisdom that stephen was given so as to answer those who did not believe when you feel alone in those hard conversations you are never alone because the spirit is always with you number 3 only suffer for good because people are watching. Here's why I say this. When they mention Cilicia in verse 9, that is where Tarsus, the hometown of the Apostle Paul, was. So it's possible that Paul was a part of that debate we're also going to see at the end of Stephen's story that we're told that Paul is there. You don't know who's watching you. Especially when someone is watching how you persevere through hardship. Because it's when we experience hardship that we see a person's real character and real belief. Is how you suffer going to affect future generations of believers? Maybe even a leader in the church. Because Stephen couldn't have known that one of the people probably watching him would go on to be one of the first and most traveled missionaries of the early church and one of the biggest writers of the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a reminder that people are watching and that Paul, and we'll get here, that Paul, you never would have guessed that Paul would become a believer. In some ways, as I've said before, Paul was a religious terrorist. Stephen could never have guessed, you know what, that guy holding the coats while they throw rocks at me, that guy's going to write a lot of books in the New Testament. Couldn't have known. We don't know. But how we follow Jesus, even in the hardest times, could have a great effect on faith, future believers in Jesus. And it's a reminder that how we follow Jesus is not just for our good, but for the good of others. And fourthly, if Jesus told the truth about suffering and persecution, then he told the truth about hope. Again, one of the patterns in this story is, is that there is a promise of Jesus or a prophecy of Jesus related to each point, right? Jesus said this would happen, and here it is happening. Well, you know what else Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 to 23? Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Sounds like a pretty good description of what Stephen experienced, and what some of us have experienced. But then verse 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. When we experience hardship in the present, because Jesus told us that was going to happen, and he told the truth about that, he also is telling the truth that one day, those who follow him will be in heaven face to face with God himself for eternity. And so if he told the truth about the hard part, he told the truth about the glorious parts. (laughs) And no amount of persecution can take the hope of heaven away from you. Friends, as we continue to look at the story of Stephen. That we would understand better how we are called to follow Jesus. The benefits, the costs, and the picture of perseverance, even in the worst of circumstances. That following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's always best. And through Stephen, we see that we are called to mimic Jesus in his life. To experience things the same way he did, and to trust in his words and promises. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the story of Stephen. We thank you for his faithful endurance in the worst of circumstances. And we thank you that you have given us the same spirit that empowers our ministry, that gives us wisdom to speak boldly and lovingly, and that we can endure even injustice because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. God, that like Stephen, we would boldly share the gospel, that there is hope for sinners, that through faith in Jesus there can be forgiveness, reconciliation to God, and the hope of eternal life. God, help us to understand and to truly follow Jesus as you've called us to do. We pray this in his name, amen.